Wise and Foolish Virgins After our Lord had spoken to the Twelve about the fate of Jerusalem at the hands of the Romans, he uttered a series of parables which were designed to instruct them as to how they should live their lives during his absence. He asked a question of them, Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom the Lord hath made ruler over his household, to give them meat in due season? He also supplied the answer in the next chapter. The wise servants were likened to wise virgins, and the faithful servants were likened to those who laboured with the opportunities entrusted to them. Time and again he warned his servants that whilst they can understand the epoch in which they are living through the signs that he has provided, no one knows the precise day of his return. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. This calls for a constant state of readiness, something which is difficult to achieve alongside the fast pace of our own personal and family life. The parable of the wise and foolish virgins is perhaps best understood in the light of the book of Proverbs, where wisdom and folly are constantly clashing in the everyday routines of life. The wise hear and increase in understanding. They lay up knowledge and live a life that is ever ascending in spiritual things. The foolish, on the other hand, have no delight in understanding. In fact, they despise wisdom and instruction. Wisdom and folly are made manifest in the presence of light and knowledge. The same is true of the virgins in the parable. It all comes down to their attitude towards the oil in their lamps. The Lord began by examining those who claimed citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. They were likened to virgins, and there were ten of them, a number that is used to describe representatives of all nations. Why virgins? Because they represent the believers who are bound their Lord in purity. The Old Testament Use of the phrase, the virgin daughter of Jerusalem, was well known to Israel, and the disciples would have readily made the connection. This parable doesn't focus on the bride, however. Instead, it centres on the attitude and actions of the attendant virgins, called to the wedding ceremony. Once again, these bridesmaids were a familiar symbol in the divine record. The scene of the parable is centred around the house of the bride to which the bridegroom is coming for the wedding festivities, the figure of the bridegroom as representative of the Messiah was outlined in Psalm 19 and Isaiah 62, where we read, For as a young man marrieth a virgin, so shall thy sons marry thee. And as the bridegroom rejoiceth over the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee. When we look at these ten women, there is nothing which appears obviously different about them. They all have on their wedding garments, they're all chosen bridesmaids. They all attend the bride, they all have their torches, and whilst they are at first indistinguishable, in the end they are not alike. The record states that they all took their lamps, and these lamps were really torches, most likely a short wooden stem with a fixed dish at the top, in which was a piece of cloth dipped in oil or pitch. They all took hold of these torches, an action that suggests a conscious decision to lay hold of that light. In the words of Proverbs 4 verse 13, they took fast hold of instruction because there was a recognition that this was their life. In Isaiah 64 verse 7, to take hold of God is to call on his name. They all started off with this recognition that the light was essential for their salvation. They all knew that they would be venturing forth into a dark world and understood that they would need these torches. 
but we learn from Matthew 25 that the foolish took their torches but no oil with them, whilst the wise took oil in their vessels along with their lamps. To understand the significance of this distinction, we need to draw upon the language of another parable. There are three points of verbal connection between this parable and the language of Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 26. Both classes call out, Lord, Lord, the only occurrences in Matthew's gospel. Both classes are rejected with a stinging rebuke, I know you not. And both parables are about the wise and the foolish. Once again, the only words relating to these two distinct groups are found in Matthew. The difference between the wise and foolish came down to their obedience to the sayings of their Lord. The wise listened and did. The foolish listened but did not. They both had the oil of the word of God, but only one group obeyed. So the oil that produces the light can be seen in two distinct parts. It first represents the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, and it secondly represents those light bearers whose life shines with the fullness of their faithful works. In other words, light can represent both the truth and people who do the truth. The light of the gospel may be understood, but if it is not ignited in further enlightenment and obedience, then the light will splutter and finally go out. What causes the necessary combustion? Faith, which is energized by love. Hence, one group were completely devoid of zeal and obedience, while the second group are conscious of their need to have that obedience as a priority in their life. The wise understood that their Lord would not come immediately, and that they were expected to patiently endure in well-doing, with their lights burning, as evidence of their understanding of God's long-term purpose. It shows forethought and wisdom. We learn in verse 5 that the bridegroom tarried. It is the same word translated delayeth in Matthew 24 verse 48. That tarrying has lasted for nearly 2,000 years. But that very delay provides the circumstances which determines which bridesmaids are faithful and which are not. Who are prepared and who are not? Who are true and who are not? Delay tests our ability to show patience. It is a trial in which our mettle is proven. It was during this time of seeming inactivity by heaven that the oil should have been purchased. As Isaiah 55 verse 6 expresses it, Seek ye Yahweh while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. As time wore on, they all slumbered and slept. The diaglot renders this, they nodded and did sleep. The ESV, they all became drowsy and slept. Whilst there will still be a remnant who will not experience death before the Lord returns, nevertheless, in the vast majority of cases, most will slip into the article of death. And then the silence is dramatically broken. A midnight shout startles everyone awake. Midnight is the time of deliverance for the household and judgment of the world. The cry is the signal of 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 16 when the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. The arising of the virgins finds its counterpart in their resurrection. Now weddings were generally conducted in early evening, so the delay till midnight was totally unexpected. But the time had arrived. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him, is the call we all have been waiting for. In reality, every one of us meets God at the moment of death, if we're not alive in the time of our Lord's coming. So, will this meeting be one of fear, or of joy? Will we be apprehensive? Who wouldn't be? 
but we are not to be fearful. Our journey in the truth is to eventually, literally, meet our Lord. Sometimes we forget this. Sometimes we are so focused on the everyday duties and responsibilities of life as we know it that we lose sight of this. He has met with us on a spiritual level in the work of the Atonement, but soon he will meet us physically. Are we ready for that? Will it be a meeting of joy and anticipation, or of contention and foreboding? When the command is given, the virgins trimmed their lamps. This involves cutting back the burnt cloth on the poles and preparing it for relighting. They all removed the burnt parts, but not all could relight them. The Greek word kosmeo, which means to put in order, to arrange. The word is used in Revelation 21 verse 2, where the righteous are prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. All ten stand there before the bridegroom, but the real adorning is missing in some of them. The foolish realise that they lack something the wise possess. They have been lulled into a sense of false security because they have believed all their life that they are going to be able to get ready without the extra oil. Give us of your oil, they cry in desperation. Their unpreparedness is apparent to all, and this cry will be accomplished by shame, anguish and tears. The AV misses the graphic force of the continuing present tense. They see the flame waning and flickering and cry, Our lamps are going out. That extinguishing light is a tragic commentary on their spirituality. The figure is drawn from Proverbs 20 verse 20. Whoso curseth his father or his mother, his lamp shall be put out in obscure darkness. Their faith has been dimming over time and now it is manifest that this light was really darkness. They understood the need for the light of the word, but failed to appreciate the need for the obedience of faith. The wise are unable to assist. They doubtless would love to, but the reality is that it's not possible to transfer one's own righteous character to another. We stand or fall on our own. Hence Paul's point in Romans 14 verse 12, so then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. The only advice they are able to offer is to go, ye rather to them that sell and buy, lest there be not enough for us and you. This terminology comes from Isaiah 55, verse 1 to 3. It's the language of thirsting and hungering for spiritual things. The price is inclining the ear and coming to God in humility to learn of his ways. At the judgment seat, it will not be possible for the rejected to make amends. Hence the advice is for everyone before that time comes. This is what we all should be doing before the bridegroom comes. It is the right answer to their need, but tragically, it is too late for them to act upon it. Now is the time to buy up one's opportunities. The wise virgins had the opportunity to obtain oil and did so. The foolish virgins had plenty of opportunity to procure oil, but did not. Once again, we have the present participle in verse 10, while they are going away. Just as they were leaving, the bridegroom arrived. They absented themselves from the bridal arrangements and the accompanying joy. They had not really been present when they were waiting, and this is only highlighted by the fact of their physical removal now. It was dark, it was midnight, and they are last seen disappearing into the darkness with no light. How even more foolish and desperate is this action? Who is going to be around at such late hour to sell them oil? No one. The opportunity to come and buy has passed. It is too late to make the purchase of listening and doing. 
The wise are described as they that were ready. They were prepared, they were ready for every good work, and went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. They had been with him all their life, and now, like Noah, they had entered into the ark of salvation and everlasting life, and the door was shut behind them. What an incredible privilege and joy to experience that sense of unity with the bridegroom. We have the unadorned facts here, but think of what this entails. That sense of peace and relief is only highlighted by the continuing tragedy of the rejected. The foolish now appear, and the record doesn't say that they found what they were seeking. They return empty-handed, only to find a closed door before them. It's locked, and despite their frantic appeals, they can't enter the kingdom. Imagine that scene and the horror of it all. They had not opened their lives to him when he knocked on the door of their heart, and now he couldn't open the door for them. The Lord's reply is a warning to all generations. Verily I say unto you, I know you not. He didn't recognize them because they didn't bear the stamp of true discipleship. He said, verily, because perhaps they forlornly hoped that this wouldn't be true. Does he recognize us now? Are we known of God? Will he see a reflection of himself in us when we meet him? The conclusion of the parable is expressed in verse 13. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Watching is more than just keeping awake and being alert. It is about having the obedience of faith present in our lives. None of us would ever say, I'm only a nominal Christadelphian, or I'm really a Christadelphian in name only, and I act in some ways like a Christadelphian, but I'm not one at heart. But these foolish virgins were completely surprised by the outcome of that fateful night. They discovered at first to their embarrassment that they were not equipped as they should have been. What then is the difference between the wise and the foolish virgins? Wherein lay the great difference between them? A difference so great it made an irrevocable and eternal separation between the two groups? The difference is in the extra oil. The oil of light and obedience means that everything to those who have it, and it means the loss of everything for those who do not have it. For those who haven't had enough extra oil, everything else that they have, everything else that they do counts for nothing. Let us heed to the power of that exhortation. Mm -hmm.